1: I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Tony Hillerman's haunting tour of terror. The Blessing Way. Ed Nelson, Barbara Anderson, and Ty Andrews, in Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour.
2: The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour
0: Sponsored in part by Metropolitan Life Insurance Company The makers of Quaker State Motor Oil And the makers of Digel This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio
1: Sometimes a challenge is a good thing It helps to break up the monotony when one has been doing the same thing over a long period of time. Dr. Bergen McKee is a university professor with tenure, anthro department, and for the past several years satisfied with life behind ivy walls, inside an ivory tower, correcting term papers and smarting from the after-effects of his shattered marriage. Dr. Bergen McKee needed a challenge, and this is precisely what he got. He's faced with the problem of climbing out of a deep canyon... over rugged terrain. The little finger on his right hand has been dislocated. He's been up all night. And he's accompanied by a young woman... who accepts nothing he says is truth. But then his story is hard to believe. There's a madman dressed like a werewolf... running loose in the canyon. He's burying people alive. And Dr. Bergen McKee must rise to meet the challenge... or tumble into infinite darkness... For if he fails, he and the lady will most certainly die. The blessing way will continue. But first...
3: Sometimes a 24-hour pass and pass very slowly. Very, very slowly indeed. With no place to go, nothing much to do. The answer for millions of servicemen and women around the world has been the USO. For over 30 years, a place to come in, read, write letters home, listen to music, dance, have a hamburger and a shake. Most of all, a place to feel welcome. But there might not always be a USO, even though there are still 2 million servicemen and women who need it more than ever. There might not be a USO because there's not enough money to go around. USO gets no government funds. It depends entirely on your gifts to the United Fund, Community Chest, or local USO campaign. So please give. Our work isn't done.
4: Canfield was dead. Killed, no doubt, in the same fashion as Lewis Horseman had been. I raced back to where I'd left Ellen Leon. She was sitting on a rock, holding her ankle. Oh, I'm
5: so clumsy.
4: I told you to wait in the car. What happened?
5: Well, you were gone a long time. I was going to look for you, and I fell. I, I twisted my ankle. It
4: hurts. Now, can you walk on it?
5: I don't think so. You may have to go on without me. No.
4: Look, I mean, I, I can't leave you here.
5: Dr. McKee, I know you're just trying to protect me. I can appreciate that. Let me
4: see that ankle. It doesn't look bad. No swelling.
5: We really ought to take the car back to the camp and wait for Dr. Canfield. We're not
4: going back. I found Canfield's truck. Somebody broke in the back window. He's gone. Now, we've got to climb out now.
5: Please, you're hurting my arm.
4: Sorry. I didn't
5: mean this. Please, Dr. McKee, you've got a concussion. You just can't go stumbling around like this. You don't
4: understand. Hey, Miss Leon, come back! I was too surprised to move for a moment. There was nothing wrong with her ankle. She had run off to the car, rolled up the windows, and locked herself in. I tried to keep my voice at a normal level. Really, Miss Leon, I'm not crazy. And we really do have to get out of here. Roll down the window.
5: Not until you give me your word, you'll come back to the camp with me.
4: Don't make me use this rock. Now roll down the window. No! I promise. Let me in and, and we'll go back. No, I mean it, Miss Leon. Now you get out of this car or I'll drag you out. Get out!
6: That's right. Get out.
4: I knew without turning around who it was... He came around the side so I could see him, and he could see me.
6: Hold perfectly still.
4: He was a tall man, taller than I'd remembered him from Shoemakers, but the same man, the sun was reflecting off of his silver hatband. In his hand was a gunmetal blue machine pistol.
6: You're Bergen McKee, and the young lady would be Ellen Leone. What do you want? Just the pleasure of your company for a while. Right now, I want your boyfriend to take his hand out of his shirt. Very, very slowly. That's it. Well, I say I've been too suspicious. That's quite a finger. Bergen, I'll have to ask you to put your hands against that pinion tree while I see what you have in those pockets. Ellen, you stand over there. Get some keys, wallet. <laughs> what, meat? Are you planning on getting away? that position while I check Ellen. I want no movement at all. Do I make myself clear? Yes. Ellen, you hold your arms out to the side. That's a good girl.
5: Why are you doing this?
6: Ellen, I'm not talking to you, so don't talk to me. If you insist, I'll have to shoot you. All right, the two of you now walk ahead of me and do as you're told, and no one will get hurt. Yeah, I, I carry this gun cocked with the safety off. And I'm very good with it. Now, let's go.
4: He had us hike across a canyon a ways... And ...then up over dense brush and tumbled boulders. It was a difficult climb. And as I grew more tired, my hand hurt worse. Ellen, girl scout that she was, made it without need of assistance... I'd like to have seen my former wife do the same. The truth of one of the last things I heard Jeremy Canfield say echoed in my mind. Not all women were like Sarah. Certainly, Ellen Leon wasn't. There was a bitter irony to the whole thing. Ellen had come here in search of a missing man. I considered the possibility that he, too, was now permanently missing. With lungs full of sand and... The thought of the same terrible end for her was too much to bear. When we reached the summit, we paused to rest. I had to say something.
6: i walk right over there to the truck. But why not let the woman go? She
4: She's of no use to you.
6: Why, oh, Bergen, how considerate of you. But I'm afraid Ellen must go with us. You see, she's seen me. She won't tell. <laughs> oh, that's funny, Bergen, funny. Really, it is. I can think of two people who said that very same thing. I get in the truck. No, no, wait. Let me see that hand first. Are you right-handed? Yes. Uh, I was afraid you would be. The finger looks bad. We may have to soak it to get the swelling down.
4: I'm touched by your sympathy.
6: No, it's, it's not really that. It's just that you're going to have to write a letter for
5: us. What if he refuses
6: well, then I'll have to kill you. Both of you.
4: Sunshine, things are going. Things are going well with you and me. Future's planned together. Rich will divide together. And things look quite as they...
7: Metropolitan Life knows how important the future is to you and your family. We've been preparing hard for the future so that your Metropolitan Representative is qualified to help you prepare for it better. Because the better prepared you are, the better your future will be.
2: We'll return to our story in a moment.
7: Josiah had a delicate ear operation. Maria gave birth to a premature infant. Raphael had a toothful. And Angelica underwent cataract surgery. Each one came to the SS Hope, the famous white hospital ship for care and treatment. Each left healthier, happier. But Hope does more than treat patients. At the side of Project Hope's professional medical personnel, there was a counterpart physician, nurse, dentist or medical assistant from the patient's country who was working and learning. These medical trainees and professionals will continue to treat other Hosias and Marias in their own country as Project Hope's living legacy. Help hope live on. Write Project Hope, Room A, Washington, D.C.
4: There's no comfortable way to ride in the back seat of a moving vehicle, lying face down with one's wrist tied together and rope to one's ankles. Nor could I draw much comfort from the conversation coming from the front seat.
6: So this Dr. Green at Albuquerque knew you were coming to this canyon. Who else knew, Ellen? Hey, what about your husband?
5: I don't have a husband.
6: On a pretty girl like you. I find that surprising.
5: Life's just full of surprises, isn't it? (laughs)
6: That's right, Ellen. That's right. You know what else surprised me? That Bergen sat around in the canyon and let me cut him off. Why did he do that?
5: Why don't you ask him? I'm
6: asking you.
5: Because I was a fool. Didn't
6: you believe there was a Navajo wolf?
5: He had that terrible bruise on his forehead. I thought...
6: Well, (laughs) I would have got him anyway.
5: No. If it hadn't been for me, Dr. McKee would have gotten away.
6: Well, oh, you don't know about us Navajo wolves. We turn ourselves into coyotes, dogs, bears, foxes, owls. We fly through the air we need to.
5: He outsmarted you last night. You said so yourself. And he outsmarted you again today.
6: You're obviously the... You don't know who I am, and nobody gets away. From the big Navajo's questions,
4: it became painfully obvious why Ellen and I were still alive and why he wanted me to write that letter. One depended upon the other. For some reason, he didn't want anyone to come looking for us and find something else. Perhaps Lewis Horseman had accidentally found something. Jeremy Canfield could have, too. I was bobbing in and out of consciousness. I think we stopped once or or twice and... And then we were stopped. I was sure. There was another voice I hadn't heard before.
0: I see you got a woman, George. Where's the man you were after? He's in the back. Get any calls while I was gone? No calls. They better
6: let us know soon. They'll let us know. They'll let us know. Won't be too long now. You see anything? Just that kid on the horse again, up in the top. Way off across the mesa. I couldn't hit him from here. Get out of the car, Ellen. Come on, come on, will you? I'm in a hurry. I could feel the
4: big Navajo untying the ropes that bound me. The other man had called him George. So now I knew his name, but I still had no idea what he wanted. When I stood up, I saw we were in a narrow side canyon. A few hundred yards above us was a series of ancient cliff dwellings... built high on the canyon wall... But then the world started spinning again. I, I started to fall, but someone caught me and propped me up against the side of the land rover. Yeah,
6: Bergen's going to write that letter for us, Eddie. He hasn't written it yet? Oh, no, he will, he will. Just you see, he, he hurt his hand. Come on, show Eddie your hand, Bergen. Come huh. on. I said show him. <whistles> there you You see? Why well, take a chance? Too much money involved to don't, take chances. Don't talk so much, Eddie. You no, know, we're going to leave these two behind. The less
0: they hear, the better.
6: Who? Oh? Eddie
4: was a pleasant-looking, tall, wiry young man, Blonde hair and blue eyes. The Huck Finn physical type, but he wore a shoulder holster housing a thirty-eight caliber pistol. Another crazy man, I thought, but not cold and calculating
6: like George. You were asleep when we cleaned out your camp, Bergen. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, would it matter? We've no reason to kill you or Ellen. Now, you may doubt that, but it's true.
5: What have you done to Dr. Canfield?
6: Ellen. What happened to Dr. Canfield was really a shame. You see, he seemed like such a nice fellow. Full of jokes, but don't you see? Dr. Canfield made one very bad mistake. He signed his letter, John. But that's his name. No, Bergen, that wasn't his name. If it had been, I'd have caught you yesterday. And Ellen would be free as a bird.
5: You killed Dr. Canfield?
6: Yes, I'm afraid I did, Ellen. I'm sorry about that, but it couldn't be helped. Now, Bergen here cooperates and writes what I say. We can leave the two of you up in one of those cliff dwellings with food and water. And maybe you can figure out a way to get down after we're gone. You see, it's your only chance... And I suggest you take it. Uh, What do you want me to write? Well, you'll have to say you're leaving here, all three of you. All three of us? That's right. You, Ellen, and Dr. Canfield. The big Navajo handed me a ballpoint pen. Then
4: I delivered quite an authentic performance of suffering. The pain shot clear up my arm, my hand shook. And real beads of sweat popped onto my forehead as I managed a very sloppy, dear Dr. Green. Well,
6: that's fairly close. Not close enough. I could write it left-handed and say I hurt my right one. Now, why would you write Dr. Green a left-handed letter with Dr. Canfield around? Well, Eddie?
0: Whatever you think. I don't know the odds.
6: Yeah. Let me see that hand again.
0: Why not shoot us now
5: and get it over with?
6: Don't challenge me. I'm liable to take you up on it. But maybe if I soaked it, I... Eddie, take him up to the cliff place. My girl, too.
0: You think we got time for that? Just do
6: as I say. Now move.
2: driving the big family car less as we use our gas-saving small car more. Now, an underused car doesn't always get enough exercise to eliminate harmful engine deposits, so it needs quality protection, like Quaker State motor oil, made to protect against harmful deposits. Quaker State is now available more places than ever. It's one good
0: thing we don't have to give up.
7: Quaker State your car. You
0: keep it running, Occasional acid indigestion and heartburn can be more than just acid alone. Often there's trapped gas, too. That's what we call gassed indigestion. Digel is made for gassed indigestion because digel is different. It does more. Digel reduces excess acid while its patented simethicone gets rid of trapped gas fast. Use only as directed. Digel for gassed indigestion. No plain antacid can do what digel can. The Zero Hour continues after this. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash, and I've been around this great country of ours enough to know how important it is to get as much education as you can while you're young. If you want to start college or vocational school, this may be your chance. The government wants to give you some money if you have financial need. Can you believe that? Well, it's true. Look into a new program called Basic Grants to see if you qualify. Hurry on over to the county agent, post office, or nearest school for more information and an application form. A basic grant won't give you all the money you need to make it through college or vocational training, but it'll help you get on the road. It could be the most important road you'll ever walk in your entire life. And if you don't feel like walking, just write your name and address on the back of a postcard and mail it to Basic Grants, Post Office Box 84, Washington, D.C., 20044. That's Basic Grants, Post Office Box 84, Washington, D.C., 20044.
4: And he led us at gunpoint up the slope to the cliff dwellings. They looked like Anasazi ruins. This was probably where Canfield had come. There was plenty of loose sand around. I noticed, too, hidden behind a screen of bushes, several camping articles including their two-burner kerosene stove and two bedrolls. Whoever they were waiting to get a call from had to be kept elsewhere. But in the deep shade of late afternoon, I hadn't seen the aluminum ladder. Eddie assembled the four sections while the big Navajo kept his machine pistol pointed at us.
6: You got it, Eddie? All set. Ellen, Bergen after you.
4: We climbed up the ladder to the top of the cliff dwelling. Then down a smaller ladder through a hole in the roof into a dark, dusty, windowless room. Once inside, Helen and I sat on the floor. Someone took the ladder away. We were trapped, suspended in air. I could see Eddie's chin above us through the hole.
5: What's he doing?
4: I, I don't know. It's the... Oh, the one I'm worried about.
5: Are you frightened? Yes. So am I. You aren't really going to write that letter, are you?
0: Not if I can help it.
5: Do you think there's a chance we can get away?
0: Are you picking up anything, George? Hey, listen. What's he say?
5: You hear something? A radio? No. Do you?
4: I'm not sure. What's that? I think he's coming up.
5: Lead you to us.
4: Try trying not to think about
5: it. Bergen, I'm scared.
6: Gurley says tomorrow afternoon will do it. Gurley's been wrong before. No, not this time. This is it. I believe it when I see it. Well, you'll believe it when you count your money. We fly tomorrow. Ooh, hot damn. What's
4: that
5: all about?
6: We'll, we'll know soon enough. Well, now, how are we feeling? Hmm. Quiet, I see. Bergen, I think we'd better try to get that knuckle of yours back in the joint. I'm going to be busy tomorrow, but by tomorrow night, I'll want that letter. Okay, I think my hand's broken, not just dislocated. (laughs) (laughs) They feel like that when they're pulled out. We can get it back in the socket. No. Ellen. Eddie, shine a light down here, will you? That's it. Now, Bergen, this may hurt. Sadist. All right, go ahead. I'm ready. Go!
4: I had a dream. A dream I was buried alive. I could feel the sand gathering in my throat... ...sifting down through the windpipe into my lungs. And then I remembered where I was. My hand felt heavy, but the pain was nearly gone. I could feel it was tightly wrapped in some sort of a bandage. As my eyes adjusted to the dim light... ...I saw the horizontal figure of Ellen Leon against the wall. She was breathing deeply in sleep... Miss Leon, wake up.
5: Uh-huh.
4: Uh-huh. Miss Leon. What? Shh,
5: shh. Dr. McKee. Are you all right? Yeah,
4: I'm fine. Too fine, I'm afraid. My hand feels much better.
5: What time is it? How long was I asleep?
4: Well, I don't know. Look, where did they go?
5: I heard them outside before, down below. Both of them? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Where are you going? Look,
4: nowhere. I... I'm trying to think of a way we can get out of here.
5: The big one took the ladder when he left. I heard him say that he was going someplace. When? I don't know.
4: Did you hear the truck leave?
5: Yes. Uh, no. I, I mean, I'm not sure. I, I could have been dreaming. Oh, think. This is very important. Well, they said something about a, a girlie. Yes. Yes, I did hear the truck.
4: It's getting lighter. It must be morning. If the big one's gone, we've got a chance.
5: Dr. McKee, do you, do you have any idea what this is all about? Who's girl I
4: don't know what's going on. Maybe they're crazy, the whole lot of them.
5: Why do they want you to write that letter? He explained why. Well, you know as well as I do that if they're planning to let us go, they wouldn't need a letter. Now, stop treating me like a child. That's what Jim would do. Jim? fiancé. What? The man I came out here to find in the first
4: place. Uh, the engineer, Mr. Hall?
5: Dr. Hall. Sorry. Don't be.
4: Well, I... I didn't realize you were engaged.
5: I don't think Jim did either. That's why I came. To tell him it was over.
4: Why? Uh, I'm sorry. It's none of my business.
5: I want to tell you.
4: Uh, go ahead. I'm listening.
5: Well, he's tall. Rather slim. He's got blonde hair. In fact, he looks a little bit like Eddie.
4: Only no, he's not nuts
5: nuts about one thing, though. You? I wish. No, it's money. Jim's very ambitious. Too ambitious, I think. He gets angry about it. He says he's caught in a system that gets you on a treadmill, and I'm quoting him. He says it takes a million dollars to beat the system, pay your own ransom, buy back your own life.
4: (laughs) What's he doing out here? I mean, no gold or oil or anything like that?
5: I don't really know what he's doing out here. Well, I hope you find him. Thanks. What's that? Come here. Look at this. Face. What is it? Hieroglyphics? Oh, this
4: is uh, Hopi Kachina.
5: I forgot you're an anthropologist. Another doctor.
4: Yeah, but a dumb one. The Anasazi's built these cliff dwellings, but the Hopi's lived here since. And the Hopi always built an escape hatch at the bottom of one wall to keep from being penned in if they were attacked.
5: You think there's a way out?
4: Uh, Which side is the cliff on?
5: This one. Let me help you. No. I mean, yes, Alan. Something fell out of your pocket. Yeah, cigarettes.
4: Wait a minute. Somebody or something wants us to have a fighting chance. What do you mean? Yesterday, when we stopped back at camp... Yes? I threw a pocket knife into my shirt pocket. The Navajo must be both crazy and dumb. I still have it. Are you still scared? Yes. Well, it's good. We'll need that edge. There are three, maybe four people in this canyon. Within the next hour, two of us are going to die. Um... You are listening to Mutual's presentation of
3: The Zero Hour. 200 million people live in America today. Within 30 years, our population is expected to increase by 50% to 300 million. President Nixon in his recent congressional message expressed concern over the impact of population growth on the quality of life in America. Specifically, the burdens it will place on education, health transportation, employment, housing, and our natural resources. At our present rate of growth, we would have to build a city the size of Tulsa, Dayton, or Jersey City every 30 days for the next 30 years to accommodate these additional 100 million Americans. A Planned Parenthood study shows that our population growth can be slowed if voluntary family planning help is made available to every family that wants it. Planned Parenthood provides family planning help all over America right now. Overpopulation, it's everybody's problem. Support Planned Parenthood.
7: Josephine, open up! It's me, Napoleon Bonaparte. Emperor of all France, much of the civilized world, and Louisiana if the deal falls through. Quick, Pierre,
5: I didn't close it. Napoleon must not find you here. Coming now, Pete. Ah, Josephine, I had to see you Napoleon, my dearest heart What are you doing here? I thought you were at Waterloo I was, but it ended early (laughs) What is that? I smell cigarette smoke You know I hate you to smoke I didn't, I don't I mean, I started again Aha! The smoke coming from that closet Come out of there, you scoundrel! And on guard!
0: What do you mean there? To
5: pick up the dry cleaning? Take that, you filthy escargot!
7: This world history lesson was brought to you by your American Cancer Society, which says smoking can be injurious to your health. (laughs) Touche! In more ways than one.
1: Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, The Blessing Way. I'm Rod Serling, and this is The Zero Hour.
0: Today's episode brought to you in part by Metropolitan Life Insurance Company, Quaker State Motor Oil, and Digel. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio.
2: You have been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater... Heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in tomorrow and once again, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour.